Now today I want us to continue down the journey that we've been on in talking about and proclaiming the Scripture as it has to do with all that God intended for people to know both here and around the world. How that man was born in, in a perfect world, but sin entered the world and death by sin. And the world saw people then begin to be born with what we call original sin, where their desire was to rebel, to disobey, to do their own thing. And that went on for hundreds and hundreds of years. And then God sent his son to come to this earth to provide a way for lost mankind to come to the cross and be saved, where people could have a choice as to where they spend eternity, that people would have a choice as to how they live their life, whether they want to live it on their own power and the influence of those that they associated with or whether they would live it in the power of the Holy Spirit. And so the Word became flesh. Jesus was born without sin, lived a life, excuse me, was born of a virgin that knew no man, lived a life without sin, then was crucified when he laid his life down and the Roman government nailed him to a cross because he was leading people to follow the true God and to follow him. But three days later, he rose from the grave. After he rose from the grave, 40 days after that, after 500 people of both sides of the fence, those who were believers and those that were non-believers, he appeared to 500 plus, and he ascended up to, to be with the Father with a promise that I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am, there you may be also. We talked about the signs of when he would come back to the earth again. We talked about the fact there will be two judgments, one for the believers and those, one for the non-believers. The believers will be rewarded according to the, their faithfulness. The non-believers will be told why they will be rejected for eternity without God and without hope. And there would be two places to which all will spend eternity, one of two, either heaven or hell, either with God or away from God and with Satan and his demons and his followers. And that would be forever and forever and forever. Now, we've come today. Last week, we talked about heaven. This week, we talk about hell. We talk about the place, the place that God has said exists and I want to show you with many scriptures today so that you do not go away from here whether you come many times or whether this is your only time to be here and say you lived and died and nobody ever told you what the end is for those that reject Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Everyone needs to know. That's the reason that the Bible tells us to go to the uttermost part of the world and the reason this church focuses on that. This is our Jerusalem, Houston, but we're to go to the uttermost part of the world. The reason we preach the gospel, the reason Jesus came to this earth, was to keep people out of the place called hell, which is reserved for the devil and his demons and angels. So, today, it does not matter, nor does it on any other sermon I preach, what I think. What matters is, what does God's Word say? Now, keep in mind that today, people have chosen by great numbers to reject the Scriptures. 
There are churches today that don't even use the Scriptures. They feel like there's some kind of an organization to help people live a better life, a more prosperous life, a happier life, a calmer life, a smoother life, and know how to solve all their problems, and that's what it's all about. But that's not what the Bible says it's all about. And so, as we speak today, I want you to understand it's the duty of a Bible preacher to warn people of the impending judgment of God upon all people who reject Jesus. There is a difference in a preacher and a teacher. A preacher is a proclaimer. A teacher teaches the detail. A preacher, first of all, is to proclaim the Scripture as it is written. The teacher helps to understand it and to put it together, and both are important, but they're not the same thing. Some people teach, but they never proclaim. Some proclaim and never teach. I think the best thing is this combination. But we must understand that God wants the people to hear what he said. And you can reject it and say, I don't believe that. That is your choice. But when you don't even know what God said, I don't think that's fair. I don't think it's good for you to have to live and not know what God's opinion of it is because there's plenty of other places to get an opinion. And so today, hell, the everlasting home of the lost is the name of the message. I want you to listen very, very carefully. I would dare say, regardless of what side you're on, most people here believe that people who break the law ought to be punished. Most would believe that on any survey you take, except for the same people, but I don't think that should be true for eternity. I just think if a God is a God that loves, then everybody ought to just be able to live happily ever after there and just live on like they've been living. Well, you make the decision. Because when you think people that, uh, that, that uh, offend others and commit crimes against others ought to be punished, what about people that commit crimes against a holy God? Should they be punished? That's the question. Today, and I'm fully aware of this, a preacher who believes in hell, modern culture says, ignore them. Ignore them. They know not what they do. The Bible says quite the opposite. The Bible says, Father, forgive those that have not heard the truth, for they know not what they're doing. But it does not matter what my opinion is or yours, here's what God said. He said, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked. I did everything I could to stop that from happening. I made myself evident in creation. I lived the perfect life. I said, whosoever will may come, but they must accept my sacrifice of the blood. So today I want to read you a story from Luke chapter 16. I open the Scripture, and we'll begin reading with the 19th verse. I want you to listen carefully and note if someone has a red-letter edition Bible around you, if you do not have one yourself, or maybe you can even see from the one I'm holding, it's red. The red letters are the words of Jesus when you see that edition of the Scripture. There was a certain rich man, Luke 16, 19. There was a certain rich man which was clothed in purple and fine linen. And he fared sumptuously every day. And there was a certain beggar named Lazarus, which was laid at his gate full of sores. 
And desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table, moreover the dogs came and licked his sores. And it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. And in hell he lifted up his eyes, being in torments, and seeth Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. And Abraham said, Son, remember that thou in your lifetime received your good things, and likewise Lazarus evil things. But now he is comforted, and you're in torment. And beside all of this, between us and you, there's a great gulf fixed, so that they which would pass from hence to you, can, neither can they pass to us that would come from you. Then he said, now this is the rich man. Listen to this, folks, very carefully. As I interrupt my reading, you're going to hear a man, a rich man, a blessed man, a man that had many earthly friends, find out the reality of hell, and now he has five brothers, friends, back on earth. Here's what he says. Verse 27, this that I just read being true, then he said, I pray therefore, Father, that you would send them to my father's house. For I have five brothers, that he may testify unto them, lest they come into this place of torment. Abraham said unto him, They have Moses, they have the prophets, let them hear them. And he said, Nay, Father Abraham, but if one went unto them from the dead, they'll repent. And he said unto him, If they hear not Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rose from the dead. One of the clearest but most profound scriptures in all the Bible as to what it's like to spend eternity away from God. Jesus one day wept over the city of Jerusalem. The story tells us he went outside, he looked at a city. It could have been Houston. It happened to be Jerusalem. And he wept knowing that Jerusalem had rejected the Messiah. He knew what that meant, and he wept, and he wept. Back in the Old Testament, the ninth chapter of Psalms, verse 17, the Bible says, the wicked shall be turned into hell. And all the nations, listen to this, America, that forget God. Daniel 12, 2. And many of them, this is the prophet now, the psalmist, now the prophet, the King David, the shepherd boy, now the prophet. And many of them that sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life and, to, and some to shame and everlasting contempt. In the New Testament, Matthew chapter 25, verse 46, and these shall go into everlasting punishment and the righteous to life eternal. And then in Revelations 20, 15, and whosoever was not found written in the book of life will be cast alive into the lake of fire. Now, I want to pause for a moment. I want to catch my breath and you catch yours. We just heard what the Lord has said about it. But there's much more. 
That's almost more than an average person could handle, but there's more. I want to take you to the words of the Lord Jesus. I want you to hear what Jesus said about hell. Not what the prophet said, not what the preacher said, not what the teacher said, not what King David said, but what did Jesus say that gave his life on a cross about hell? Matthew 5:22. Jesus said, I say unto you that whosoever shall say you fool shall be in danger of hell fire. In Matthew 5, 29, he's preaching the Sermon on the Mount. He says, and if your right hand offend you, <clears throat> pluck it out and cast it from you. For it is profitable for you that one of your members should perish and not that your whole body should be cast into hell. In the 13th chapter of Matthew, verse 40, and therefore the tares are gathered and burned in the fire. So shall they be at the end of the world. The Son shall send forth His angels. They'll gather out of His kingdom all things that offend and them which do iniquity and shall cast them into the furnace of fire and there shall be wailing and gnashing of teeth. Now let's stay in the same chapter, 13th chapter of Matthew, verse 49. So shall it be at the end of the world. The angels shall come forth. They'll sever the wicked from the just. They shall cast them into the furnace of fire. There shall be wailing and gnashing of teeth. In Matthew 22:13, then said the king to the servants, bind him hand and foot, take him away, and cast him into outer darkness, and there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Matthew 23, 33, you serpents, you generation of vipers, how can you escape from the damnation of hell? Matthew 25, verse 41, then shall he say unto them on the left hand, depart from me, you cursed into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. Matthew 25, 46, and these shall go away unto everlasting punishment, but the righteous to life eternal. One book, one Savior, one Lord Jesus, he speaks clearly and says, listen to what I tell you. I did not come to this earth to write a book. I did not come to make a movie about my life. I came to save sinners. I came to pay the punishment for the doomed and the damned that have rejected Jesus Christ and God's way of salvation. And he makes it so clear. So the question is very quickly, what kind of a place is hell? Number one, it is a, hell is a place of separation. One man in hell he says, I got five brothers back on earth. Go tell them I don't want them to come here. I'm not trying to have a family reunion in hell. I waited too late, but I want my brothers to be saved. I love my brothers. Hell is a place of separation, first of all, from the presence of God. God will not be there. It will not be a place where God will go. That has already been taken care of. That's another sermon. But it's where we're separated from God forever and ever and ever. The light of the world, the perfect God, the loving God. God is love. God is light. In him is no darkness at all. Not only will you be separated from God, you will be separated from God's people, the people that build the hospitals, build the churches, help the poor, love their enemy, you'll be separated from that according to the Scriptures. We will be separated from our loved ones, from our very family in hell. Those that know the Lord in heaven, those that don't, will be separated. 
Not only that, hell is a place of suffering. I had to kind of cut this list short, but let me help you. It is a lake of fire, Revelation 20, 15. It is a devouring fire, Isaiah 33, 14. It is a bottomless pit, Revelation 20 and 1. It's the furnace of fire, Matthew 13, 41. It's a place of torment, Luke 16, 23. It's a place where they'll curse God, Revelations 16 and 11. It's a place of filth, Revelations 22, 10 and 11. It's a place of no rest, Revelations 14 and 11. It is a place of everlasting punishment, Matthew 25, 46. It is a place of darkness, Jude, 13th verse. It's a place where they gnaw their tongues, Revelation 16 and verse 20. And finally, it's a place where the smoke of their torment will ascend forever and forever and forever, Revelations 14 and 11. What am I trying to do this morning? I don't care if you hear a word that I say. If you'll write down the notes, read the Scripture. The Bible says the book will be open, the Lamb's book of life, the Word of God will be given. Know the Word of God. Hell is a place of eternal suffering. Forever lost are written on every flame. Every degree of the temperature forever and forever and forever and forever and forever. Lost, 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 lost. And I want to go back to some I mentioned earlier. It is a place of vile associations. Revelation 21.8, but the fearful, listen to them, the unbelieving, the abominable, the murderers, the whoremongers, the sorcerers, the idolaters, and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. All your neighbors, how you like that bunch? Wouldn't you like to move into that neighborhood? Do you remember how carefully you pick where you live here on earth? I want to know who my neighbors are. I want to know about the schools. I want to know about the churches. I want to know about all this kind of stuff. Well, there's your neighbors. There's the people that you will live with. Hell, the Bible says, is a place where men will reap the harvest of their life on earth. All of their sinful influence. I'm speaking right now to those, and you know very well that you've never given your heart to Christ. And you know you're pretty well an influence to a lot of people. You know they listen to every word you speak, every thought you have. They follow you just everywhere you go. You the man, you the person. I mean, all the girls like to be around you. But yet, you know, but I don't love God. I don't do the things of God. I go the way of the world. But people are following you. And the Bible says that at that day, you are going to see the influence you had on earth and what it caused everybody else that wanted to be like you for all of eternity, what they'll have to go through. Can you imagine such a horrible moment? And let me tell you this. It's a place of a misspent life. You wasted it. The Bible says, whatsoever man sows, he's going to reap. What is it like to look back 20 years, 30 years, 40 years, 50 years, 60 years, 70 years, 80, 100 or more, and see, I wasted it. Wasted it. Had to start over about everything I ever 
I ever started, I had to start over again. Up, down, up, down, up, down, up, down, financially, emotionally, morally, psychologically. I mean, just up and down, up and down, up and down. You see, when you're there, you have plenty of time to think about your misspent life. What would have happened? This is the kind of thought you'll have. What would have happened if I would have just listened to that Bible study, that sermon? That person that really cared about me. They had nothing to gain when they told me that Jesus loved me except the fact of knowing that they had done what they were supposed to do and there might be a chance that you could spend together heaven. You could be together in heaven forever. But hell is a place where you remember a misspent life. Hell will also be a place where you remember every gospel sermon you ever heard. You remember Billy Sunday's sermons if you're that old, or heard them on the radio or transcribed, Billy Graham. You will have heard all of those, Jay Louder, James Robinson, Johnny Hunt, Fred Luter, Jack Graham, Stuart Rothberg, Roy Gale, Chuck Snyder, Wade Owen, Zach Nicholson, Emory Gadd, go on and on with the list, every one of them you ever heard. You'll even remember the sermons that I preached that you've forgotten. But you're going to remember them. You're going to remember every gospel sermon. And by the way, there's not as many of them being preached today as there used to be. I'm sorry, folks, but the pulpit has been forsaken of thus saith the Lord in many, many churches. It is no longer there. Because those that stand in the pulpit know the people will not come if you preach to them the gospel from the Scripture. They won't come. But my dear friend, it doesn't make any difference what we think. It's the way of Jesus that leaves us home. And when those that are supposed to proclaim don't proclaim, there's a price to pay. Every time you heard somebody loved you, mother's prayer, daddy's prayer, aunt's prayer, uncle's prayer, brother's prayer, sister's prayer. Every time you prayed or heard somebody pray for you, you're going to remember it. Every time they prayed and you said, I wish you wouldn't do that. That embarrassed me for you to pray for me like that. You're going to remember somebody cared. You won't be able to say no man cared for my soul like the one in the Scripture said. You're going to remember every concerned friend that you ever had that cared about your soul. Folks, if people don't love you enough to tell you about Jesus and live a life that is a changed life, they don't really care about you. You say, well, preacher, who's going to go to hell? Lost sinners, unbelievers, the rejectors of Jesus. That's the ones. Well, when does it begin, preacher? Well, the conscious suffering begins at death. But then there's those judgments. We have those, those, that story to tell, the tribulations and all this stuff. And the thousand years reign of the Lord. But there'll be a consciousness. But then after the judgment, there will be that eternal fire forever and forever and forever. The suffering of the body will begin after that great white throne judgment. But the emotional suffering begins at the moment of death. Well, how do you escape? 
You really want to know? Not very hard. I understood it when I was seven. I had two very close friends that, until the day they died, lived an incredible life for the Lord. And they were saved at the age of five. They were brilliant in their mind. Both of them could read a newspaper at five years old. But you've got to know you're a sinner. How do you have to be? Honor your father and your mother. How, how, how old do you have to be before you know I'm disobeying my parents? You think children disobey you and don't know what they're doing? You know? How long it take you to get mad and angry and start throwing stuff and all that kind of stuff? <laughs> you know, pretty early. All right? But here's, here's the deal. How does one escape hell? Number one, you confess the fact you're a sinner. If you have any problem with that, like I tell you every time, ask the people that know you. Take a survey. Pick the 10 best friends you have. Send them a letter and just tell them, mail it to post office 00 somewhere and go pick it up and, and just tell them your name. Do you think I'm a sinner? And see what you get back. And if it's not 100%, you are a sinner. It will shock me and I want to meet you. And I sure want to meet that person that knows you. First, you have to confess it. Number two, you got to turn from it. Now, here's another one of those words you don't say in the pulpit anymore. Repent. That's a military term that means an about face. You're going this way, about face, this way. Now, friends, you've got to decide, and brothers and sisters in the Lord, and those of you that are just church members, Somebody's got to come up with an explanation as to why God's people are doing everything the world does and trying to compromise in order to reach the world. Somebody's got to answer that question. Why is it that God's people can't tell the difference between right and wrong? What they should go to, should not go to, what they should say, what they should not say, relationships they should have and relationships they should not have. Why do they have to do that? Why do they have to wait to see what CNN and, and uh, Fox News and NBC and MSNBC and all that kind of stuff why don't we know? If we know the Lord and we know the Scripture, we certainly ought to know what it means when the Bible says you must repent because our natural way is to rebel against God. I don't know if anything like, like you and, uh, in your life was like this for me. I was fortunate, born, born in a Christian home. Everybody here knows that. But one of the big examples is I was always get caught. I mean, I can remember many times at Pasadena High School in the church, uh, I mean, in the, in the uh, cafeteria, when somebody would pick up a roll and throw it to somebody in the cafeteria. 300 kids, and somebody just look around, no teacher. You know, not to hurt them, but just kind of, everybody goes, where did that come from? I tried that twice. twice somebody saw me <laughs> you know it's sometimes good when you got somebody watching over you you don't know it that'll tell you so and stop it while it's young see what i'm saying but but here's a here's a point we've got to turn from our sin but then when we turn from our sin we've got to look for the blood the sacrifice the gift of eternal life we got to stop shopping and receive a gift that's been paid for in full by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. 
He's holding it for you. He says, whosoever will may come and receive it. All you have to do is say, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner, and save me, and that gift is yours. He said, whosoever cometh unto me, I will in no wise cast you out. I don't care what your past is. I don't care what the psychiatrist has told you. I don't care what your friends have told you. I'm telling you, I love you. And you can either listen to me, who you will see one day, or you can listen to them. But you've got to turn to the blood of Jesus that cleanses from all sin. The Bible says without the shedding of blood, there's no remission for sin. The reason the church has two ordinances, one is communion and the other is baptism. Picturing the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ and communion, the blood sacrifice. And on the front of every altar table that's ever been made that I've ever seen, it says, this do in remembrance of me. The blood, the blood, the blood, and the broken body. That's the key. That's the gospel. That's the missionary force. When we're going to unreached people, group, what are we going over there for? Just to feed them and clothe them and tell them we love them? No. That's part of it, but that's just to get their attention, to drill a water well so that pure water can come out and we can tell them about the living water, the pure water that flows from Emmanuel's veins. The blood of Jesus, it cleanses from all sin. That's what the church is here for. Romans 3, 23, and I'm through. Listen to this. You write these down. You don't even have to know much of the Bible to tell somebody about Jesus. Romans 3, 23 says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Got that? For all have sinned. Romans 6, 23, For the wages of sin is death. The gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Listen carefully. Two words, wage, gift. What's the difference? Wage, you earn. Gift is a gift. You don't earn a gift. Wage is what you earn. The wages of sin is what you get. You've earned it. The, way, just the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Well, preacher, I don't know what to do. I just don't know what to do. It. Are you ready? Romans 10. Don't have to get out of the book. Just go down to the 10th chapter. Verse 9. If, they, if you shall confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and shall believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. For with the heart man believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. The Scripture tells us we think, we believe, we receive it into our heart, and then we confess it with our mouth. When we say to our, our mate, I love you with all my heart, to our children, our grandchildren, our brother, our sister, I love you with all of my heart, you're not saying I love you with this. No, we're saying my total life, I love you. I love you. The Lord says, confess me with your mouth and give your life to me. Give your life to me. I just want to live in you. You're a one of a kind. I want to live in your life. And listen to this, and this is the best one of all. The 10th chapter, verse 13, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Now, let me ask you a question. After you tell me all of the stories about why you can't and, and your experience and you had professor so-and-so and you came out of this kind of home and you watched this and you witnessed this and I just can't believe there's God. I, I, just, don't, I just don't believe God would love me, not on what I've done. Listen, listen. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. What does that mean? Ask me. Ask me. You don't have to stand in line on Wednesday and get a lottery ticket and hope you win. 
You get in this line over here, it says, whosoever will, whosoever will, whosoever will. Here's yours, here's yours, here's yours, here's yours, here's yours. If you get in the right line. And by the way, there's no line. In an instant, in an instant, we're born again. No nine months gestation period, if you know what I'm talking about. You understand the difference? You're born again. And then I'm going to give you two out of Luke, and I'm through. 13th chapter, verse 3. Just another final warning. Luke wrote, I tell you, no, but except you repent, you'll all likewise perish. Draws a line in the sand. There's no other name but his. And then he says it two verses later. No, but except you repent, you'll all likewise perish. Well, we got to this the other Sunday. I turn here quite often to the last book of the Bible. There's been 928 invitations in this Bible, just like that one. Whosoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Not just once. It's all through the Bible. But if you'll go to the last book in the Bible, the last chapter, and go down, there's 21 verses. If we would let me stop here and close, as I have done many, many times from this pulpit, the 17th verse of the 22nd chapter of Revelation, and this, this is God's last invitation. John writing it says, Father, I think you've included everybody. You have said in the previous verse, or you're saying here, the Holy Spirit says come. You're saying here, if anybody's ever heard, they can come. If they've ever wanted to be saved, if they've ever thirsted, they can come. And then he says, and whosoever will, let him take of the water of life freely. You know the way I see that verse? I can see our precious Heavenly Father saying, John, you did a pretty good job, buddy. You wrote an awesome book on that revelation, but I don't want you to mess up at the end because this is a, my last invitation. This will be number 928. And here's what I want you to write. The Holy Spirit wants you to come. If you've ever wanted to be saved, you wanted to come. The bride, the church wants you to come. But in case somebody might think I've been left out, you write these words, and whosoever will, let him come and drink of the water of life freely. Now you choose heaven or you choose hell. Either one. Take your choice, heaven or hell. But my dear friend, there is no excuse at the judgment. Remember that sermon? No excuse. But there's no reason that I know that I could give if I were sitting where you are why I wouldn't want to do it today. I wouldn't want to put it off another day. None of us know what another day is going to bring. There's not a one of us here that hadn't heard about somebody dying unexpectedly that you know something about in the, since we met last Sunday. That's just the way the world is. It's appointed unto man once to die and then the judgment. 